welcome to Esserdai Illusions. Super excited to welcome back our first chronological guest. Uh, the that dragon show that everybody was watching made uh, screwed up our screwed up. I think every episode order. I think if I listed the first twenty in order of they were recorded and then the ones that aired, it'd be all different. We'll save that for the DVD release if that ever comes. But uh, super excited to welcome Spencer Scott Holmes back, and we're here to talk about a system that doesn't get enough love. And uh, I'm super excited to have him here to talk about it, because I know that we share a lot of the same opinions on the system. Spencer, do you want to tell us a little, about, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. I do a comic book called Pizza Boys. That's Pizza Boys with a Z. And then I also do the Old Man Orange podcast and the Indie Comics Club podcast. And um, yeah, all that good stuff can be found at oldmanorange.com. But beyond that, this is that system. That um, I know we, we even mentioned in our Sega podcast that we did. It just kind of came up. Like I don't know, I don't know how it really came up on a Sega <laughs> podcast because it's one. It's not even like next to anything Sega. I mean, I guess there is some Sega games on there, so you can't Bayonetta. Yeah, yeah, the Bayonetta. There's Sonic Boom. Yep, Sonic Racing, <laughs> Sonic Team Racing, or whatever. No, that was like what they have the Sega All Star. I remember because I bought it because I'm like, what you can play is Ryu from Shenmue. I'm like yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, there. Yeah. I'm gold. And then he was like the last one to unlock or something like that. It's like, oh, I have to do all this work to get there. <laughs> yeah, they uh, well, Sega, Sega lives on in all of us. Spencer actually has the record for longest continuous uh, recording on Estradial Illusions, a record that I actually tried to beat last week, and uh, I don't think it can be beaten. So uh, he'll, uh, he'll always live on in our podcast lore, and we're super excited to have you here to talk about the Wii U, the um, really one of the... I think, well, this generation is obviously ongoing, but uh, it's weird because it's rare that Nintendo has a system, has two systems that essentially kind of compete in the same uh, generation, given that the Wii U was really a rival to the uh, PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, and now so is the Switch. Yeah, it's at that thing, too. And the weird thing, too, is because the Wii U, you know, when Nintendo started doing, like, pretty much, I guess, from the Wii onwards, that was the time where Nintendo kind of almost took a step back in their, like, system's power. Now, granted, I always think that Nintendo still always has the strongest games, but if you can just compare specs of the systems, it always felt like it was one step behind. Like, with the Wii, it really just felt like that was just uh, a souped-up, like, GameCube at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't really on par with the 360 and the PS3. And then even the Wii U, the Wii U felt like it was back in, like, almost like the PS3, Xbox 360 era. But it was, you know, along the ride with Xbox One and PS4. And it was kind of that, th- it's been that weird thing that Nintendo still hasn't really, like, had a system that's just right there at the same time. Now, granted, they found a way to really get around all that stuff. And no matter what, Nintendo's games have always made up for it because at the end of the day, I've always felt like, you know, as much as I, you know, I like an Xbox and a PlayStation, all that stuff, Nintendo's always going to have those games that I'm going to look 10 times more forward to enjoy that much more than anything those two systems can, you know, give me. So, and I know that it kind of loses some people too, because there is that thing that there's people out there. I have friends that say like, you know, if Nintendo just made a system that was just, you know, up to par and just, you know, played as powerful as a PlayStation, as powerful as an Xbox, I would just get that and be 100% fine with that. You know, the people that only have one system. Yeah. Well, I think there's a, yeah, ever since, ever since it became the, the Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, three horse race, ever since Sega went away, it's definitely like, like, um, if you, if you consider the, the generation that had the Saturn, the N64 and the PlayStation, 
those have tons and tons and tons of exclusive games that aren't really uh, spread across all three systems. Whereas uh, nowadays, PlayStation Four and the Xbox. Well, PlayStation has a has a handful of really really good exclusives, and Microsoft has a couple. But by and large, they're basically plenty of crossover between the two. So now we're kind of in an era where people will have if if people are even uh, are are serious gamers, they'll have one of the Xbox or PlayStation, and then they'll have a Nintendo also. See, and that's I I, I so miss that time period. When you know, you bring up once again, you bring up Sega Saturn, N sixty four, and PlayStation one. But the thing is, is I bet you if you took like mostly everybody you knew's top 10 list of every single one of those systems, well, some friends might not have a top 10 of Sega Saturn, but let's just say you did. The thing is, is there would be maybe only one, maximum two games that might even have some crossover. Everything would be probably an exclusive for each one of those systems because that's yeah. just how it was back in the day. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the, the biggest thing I can think of that might be like one crossover is if you had, you know, a Resident Evil on that list. Like if you had one, it could be like, well, that's also on Saturn. Or if you had two, well, that's also on N64. But like that's like that's about it. Where, yeah, nowadays we are at that kind of era where, you know, PlayStation and Xbox sort of have there's like that. There's like those five games that are kind of like the make or break between which system you want. Beyond that, it's like a personal preference, you know, and I'm yeah. still the kind of person I, I always believe in. I always call it the got to catch them all philosophy. Like I still pokemon was just ingrained into me so i just feel like well i gotta there's a gears of war coming out on xbox i guess i gotta get that you know like oh well there's you know it's exclusive for sony i gotta get that you know what i mean nintendo well i just gotta get nintendo nintendo's one of those ones i like to buy day one no questions asked <laughs> you know what i mean especially just just when it comes to uh both the wii and the wii u maybe a little bit less so for the switch but They'll have some games that are available for the uh, other systems. Uh, Switch has been putting out a lot that uh, were that came out like a while ago for other systems, like Skyrim, and uh, they just put out a Assassin's Creed that has been out for years on the PlayStation Three. But when I think about the really, really good games for Wii and Wii U, those aren't the ones that uh, are across all systems, like. Uh, arkham or assassin's creed or call of duty I, I don't think i would ever really be in a position where i'd want to play those on a nintendo and they're so good at, at first party's always been their bread and butter it's it's why they it's why they have a super smash brothers and sony doesn't have a you know sony smash brothers type thing they had that one for ps3 that was actually really cool and i wish they would always bring that back around Remember uh, the playstation all-star playstation all-star oh right yeah that would have been uh that would have been I, cool. I feel a sequel would have saved that game. I think that's all that game really needed. It just needed a sequel, just just a handful of more characters in it, and give that game a second try. And I think it really could have made it. I just think that it was just really easy for. Although I think just that was like the one time that like a Nintendo fanboy could, could like kick Sony to the ground and be like, "Yeah, how do you like them apples?" Yeah, it's um with the re-releases of uh, Crash and Spyro hitting uh or, or becoming popular, especially like. You look at something like Crash Team Racing, which I remember loving as a child, and everybody every time I'd bring it up, like, "Why don't you just play Mario Kart?" But um, now, now there's like there's uh, tons of toys being sold about Crash Team Racing. I'm kind of like smiling because I've got my uh, original PlayStation One version sitting on top of my PlayStation Two. It still gets played. It's hard as shit, but uh, so it's a lot of fun. And uh, well, the Wii U had uh, Mario Kart Eight, which is still the uh, which was one of the most popular of the launch titles for Switch. I mean, um, I think well, uh, one, I think the oh, so that sorry, one wasn't, wasn't a launch title. That one came like at least a year later or so. 
for the Switch, Mario Kart Eight. Oh no, for the Switch. I mean, I, I thought I thought we were talking about. I thought you said Wii U. I was like, oh, wait no, a second. No, no. Yeah. No, because um. Well, my point with that was the the fact that um for the first like six to eight months of the uh Switch's lifestyle uh life cycle, you had it sometimes referred to as the three hundred dollars Zelda machine, but then. Pretty much every month, a lot of its like its big title would be, uh, you know, Hyrule Warriors remastered or Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze uh, updated or New Super Mario Bros. And I kept thinking to myself, gee, all these people who said that the the Wii U sucks so much, well, wh- how come all of these games are are getting uh, additional releases? They tend not to happen for stinkers. Uh, that must, you know, there must maybe they were uh, wrong about the fact that. Uh, People just rag and rag and rag on the Wii U, and I have over 30 games for it. I love its library. It's It's got more depth than a lot of consoles' libraries, and it's got all these games that time and time again I, I still return to, even though there's all these, you know, you know, there's the Switch, there's the PlayStation 4, there's a lot of more powerful systems. It's got a great library. It, it really does. And that, I think that was the thing, too, is people just didn't really give the Wii U sort of a chance. And it's funny how, like, with the Switch kind of comes around, and it's kind of nice, at least. I guess at the end of the day, you can say, because there was a bunch of great games, that if they didn't get re-released on the Switch, they would be totally, like, lost. It'd be like, it'd be like a Sega Saturn yeah. system, almost, where the general public has no idea what these games are, but there's a ton of fantastic titles just hanging out there. But um, at least the Switch gives them that kind of, resurgence which because to me when i have my switch like the first almost year i felt like i had bought like two games i bought like zelda and i bought mario and i was like well i'll just sit here and wait and uh because everything here i already sort of own but that's okay you know don't don't worry about me now but uh now it's almost like my main system like i I barely even turn on my other systems just because like the switch has something new coming out like every couple weeks now so i actually got my wii u in September of 2016, and everybody, uh, people kept saying, like, why the hell would you buy a system that's dead in the water? And I actually got it because I was covering the election and I was bored of watching all these rallies and cable news stuff with nothing to do. I was sick of looking at my phone. And the fact that the gamepad, which, you know, is is the precursor to no no gamepad, no switch, and I was really blown away by its technology and i got a really good price on it it came with uh the code for mario kart and all these games like the whole library i got uh super mario world 3d um yoshi's woolly world all this stuff for like 15 bucks a piece and i was looking at at this whole library of gems and i'm like i don't know what these people are talking about this this system is great and i only ended up paying uh full price probably for smash um breath of the wild when it came out i actually waited on the switch and um probably uh uh super smash brothers also which is another uh entry that i thought was pretty good it had kind of the rug pulled out from under it because it came out for the ds also and that was really a big deal at the time the the notion that super smash could run on a little portable system like that and now anybody Mm. with a switch can go around and have that exact same phenomenon yeah, once again, another little precursor there. Well, see, there's something always magical about buying a system like at the very end of its life cycle because you get it for next to nothing, and then the games, you can just go out there and just catch up, you know, and just, you know, spend just a couple bucks here and there and just build up your library really fast because it's not in demand anymore. But um, I think this is the main thing that kind of got the Wii U right off the bat 
is that the first year it didn't really have like that big game of like why you had to have a Wii U because I will say like the Switch day one even though it's technically kind of a Wii U game at the first point but it had Breath of the Wild let's just say that was there day one with the Switch you couldn't have got it any day before that like even the Wii U version came out like right at that same time and that made you have to get a Switch the downfall of the Wii U it didn't have that game you know what I mean they started off and they had like here's like if you were a Nintendo purist and you never owned a PlayStation or an Xbox there was actually a bunch of stuff that you could almost play catch up with because you know they had like Assassin's Creed 3 and Call of Duty yeah. Black Ops 2 and they had um like Ninja Gaiden 3 on there and Batman Arkham you know and Mass Effect 3 the weird thing was is they had all like the third games and second games like you did you, like it's almost like if you're going to release these games, you might as well just release the trilogy for it. Because if here's the thing, the only person buying it's a Nintendo purist. And now they have no idea what the story is because now they're coming in like way too late. Yeah, I had noticed how many of uh, the Wii U relative to some of the other systems or even the Switch, how many third party. You're looking at looking at that being like, OK, that's going to have some uh, trouble uh, running, just like the Switch had a issue with that. uh arc uh combat evolved to some of the dinosaur game that i was actually really interested in getting because it reminded me of turok and then every review i read was basically switch can't handle this system but what's interesting about the wii u is it only sold about i think it was like 10 to 13 million units but it's also coming off of a hit with the wii that just blew everything out of the water in terms of uh you know, after the GameCube, people were wondering, gee, what's, uh, you know, now that Microsoft's in, what's what's the future going to look for Nintendo? They really needed to hit a, maybe not a home run, but a, a triple or something with their next system. And then the Wii comes and it blows everything out of the water. And I'm, interesting to, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this because um, I know at least for a lot of people that I knew who had the Wii, they, uh, it has a lot of titles that sold uh, tons and tons of units, but the fact that Wii Sports, its launch, its uh, package, uh, the title that was packaged in with it, was so popular among people, I gotta like think to myself how many people uh, went out and bought that many games for the Wii as opposed to like maybe what they would have for a different system. It was perhaps maybe too synonymous with a game that was already included with the system. Well, I think that's really what that was the Wii thing. That's why it sold so well because you know you, how many times would you go over to somebody's house? And they would have a Wii, and you're like, this person doesn't play video games. What the heck's going on here? And it's like, oh, they bought it just for Wii Sports, and maybe yeah. they got one or two other games or something like that. And don't get me wrong. You're like, here's the thing. Like, Wii Sports, that was one of the best, like, included games you could possibly have. Because I feel like that's a game that, like, almost anybody could like. If somebody tells you they probably don't like Wii Sports, they're just lying to you. They're just trying to be, you know, on the other side of the fence. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, it's like, they're all fun. You get to create your own me. You get to put all your friends and all like, you know, I remember like when we had that game, like me and my buddy were like in San Francisco and we were like making me's with it. And we like made it's like, dude, we're hanging off like, you know, celebrities like, look, there's Elton John in the background. Look, there's Samuel L. Jackson back there. And we just kept making stuff and like, oh, there's Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. It was just like, dude, that's so sweet. I'm like, I'm bowling with these guys and everything like that. You know, it's like there were so many good fun times. I mean, even that game, this is the part I always laugh too. We literally had the cops called on us because we were playing Wii Golf 
And we were like, dude, we need some like music, you know, <laughs> you know, like what's some golf music? Well, let's throw on some Frank Sinatra. Like, yeah, that'd be great. We just have it on. It's like playing off a laptop. So it's really not that loud. We didn't have like a sound system or anything like that. Just have to be apartment building in San Francisco. And we're playing Wii Golf. And dude, my buddy got a hole in one in there. And I'm like, I've never seen that before. Never seen that since. And we were so ecstatic. And the next thing you know, there's like couple San Francisco police officers knocking on the door. And I think that, like, what they're thinking, they're like, oh, dude, it's, we're going to bust in. There's going to be this huge party. We're going to so, like, break it up. And then there's just, like, three guys stand there, like, holding Wiimotes, just looking at each other confused. And they're just like, oh, Jesus, is this uh, – uh, j- just – be quiet. Uh, we're out of here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can see they were so pissed that somebody actually called this in. <laughs> That's, uh, that reminds me of, um, you ever see the videos of people who, uh, didn't put the little safety strap on the, on the remote and maybe they got a brand new TV that got a nice little hole in it, courtesy of Wii Golf or Wii Bowling? Well, I just remember like my buddy when that's when the Wii first came out. It's funny because we like like all my friends kind of bought it, and it felt like when you when you had a Wii mode and you had a Wii, it was like you were in a special club. Like it was like an ID almost in a sense because if you had friends that wanted to come over and they didn't have a Wii, it's like dude, you're not coming over to this party. It's a Wii party only, you know. <laughs> Let's see, you're, you're, oh, an Xbox 360 controller ain't gonna cut it right now. You need a Wii mode. That's how you're getting in. So, and I remember he was talking so much smack. He's like, man, I don't get it. It's so stupid having that, like, little strap on there. Like, what? Like, I can't hold on to a controller? Like, what, am I stupid or something like that? And then he goes to bowl and just takes the controller and he throws it straight up in the air and it smashes into the ceiling. And then he dives down, kind of almost like he's catching a fly ball at the baseball game. And then he's like, oh, he's just sitting there breathing. He's like, you were saying the strap was kind of stupid? <laughs> Yeah, no, that strap, that strap saved, uh, it saved lives, it saved furniture, it saved television, saved win- glass windows. Um, and, and the, the emotion that the Wii evoked, all of the, that sense of community that you're talking about, um, was probably the best form of marketing that, that, that Nintendo could have hoped for in the wildest dreams. The, the, the notion that if you had a Wii, you were in on something that somebody with their, Xbox controller that needs no strap is definitely on the outside of. And when the game, when the gamepad came out, it was a very, very innovative piece of technology that, you know, uh, prior to that, the only portable, uh, the only sense of, uh, being able to play a game on a screen like that would be, uh, you know, like a Game Boy or a DS or a PSP. And then you've got something that, hey, you want to watch TV, you want to watch a sports game or something, you can still play. And for whatever reason, I mean, that's such sort of a natural uh, follow-up in a progression of, maybe it wasn't the best idea that they named it the Wii U, because I know that it did confuse people, mm-hmm. and people didn't really understand that this wasn't like a PlayStation Pro or a, you know Xbox One S. This was, no, this is a whole new system with a whole new library. Um, I guess, I mean, the fact that the Wii sold so well, basically on word of mouth marketing kind of maybe explains why the Wii U, which was a bit more confusing, uh, failed in the, in, uh, or, or struggled to catch on with the market in the sense that, um, Nintendo was really not that great at communicating what this thing could do. Yeah. It comes down. It's that classic Sega Genesis thing, like where you have all this success and you're like, we got this in the bag, Sega Saturn no problem whatsoever and you just go into it too overconfident another example is xbox one you know what i mean after that 360 success they're like 
PS4, whatever. We got Xbox One. It does everything. Well, why is it called the One? That sounds confusing. That sounds like the original system. Well, well, it's because it's an all-in-one. It's like in the second that I feel that you have to sit back and explain what it is, and I feel that's the same thing Nintendo had with the Wii U. If you have to sit back and like explain what you're trying to do, you've almost you almost have already lost them in the marketing. And I think that's kind of how it is. The Wii U just kind of it had that kind of um, it was different. But they almost didn't. The, the, I think the average Joe just looked at it and went like, hmm, is that just like an upgrade? You know, I just get like a remote control to like the system and everything. And I think that here's the thing. I'll say this. You know, if that would have came out in the Sega Genesis Super Nintendo era where people only had one, maybe two TVs in a house, the idea that you'd be like, we're like, Billy, get off the TV. Dad wants to watch the sports game. And, you know, he'd just come over and shut the system off and just kick, you know, the kids outside. You know, because nowadays I feel like if you don't really have a couple TVs in your house, it's like that's just kind of weird because even the poorest person, you know, you could go get a TV on the side of the road. Somebody's giving it out for free. So that that notion of before, of you know, being able to just be like, oh, dad's coming in the room. Let me pull my system out and go hook it up somewhere else where I mean, I guess with the Wii U, you just pull it right up and just keep playing, which is such an amazing feature. But I feel like that would have been like one of those features like in the 90s would have been the coolest thing ever. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, you make that connection to the the 90s because uh, the Wii U, really much of its library is defined by a return from uh, a return to the the side scrollers and the kind of like uh, it it kind of fit into the what you call like 2D, 3D, 2D, where uh, the graphics are great, but you're playing in a, a 2D environment and Ones like Donkey Kong, Tropical Freeze, or New Super Mario Bros. Or, I mean, even even the re- re-released uh, DuckTales the, from the Nintendo mm-hmm. era, which is a beautiful re-release, or uh, Shovel Knight. Um, you get all these games. They really started... Uh, we're in this era right now where there's so many beautiful indie games that uh, have brought the sort of Genesis Super Nintendo era style graphics back, like Celeste or Owlboy or Sturdy Valley... And I'm because countless other ones. Uh, what's a uh, Cosmic Star Heroine? I really liked. Um, mm-hmm. And those graphics are great, but uh, I think Wii U was really kind of at the forefront of that, bringing bringing uh, side scrolling back. Which, um, at least from a, a difficulty perspective, uh, really, um, you know, some of the op- more open world games are. are uh, I love them because they're kind of chill, but. Uh, you got to play a new Super Mario Bros. Uh, Wii U, and ugh, that game's hard. And Donkey Kong's really hard, too. Dude, that Donkey Kong one, I remember that one just being like, dude, why? I'm like, why am I having such a hard time with this game? It was, there was, I remember there was two games that I played them like kind of simultaneously on the Wii U. It was that one, and then it was, um, what was the first Sonic for that one? Called Sonic Labyrinth? Is that what it's called? Um, it might have been. Oh, let me... No, that sounds like the Game Gear one. Now, now I'm saying this out loud. But it was the one It was not Sonic Boom. It was the one that came out first. And I remember that game. I'm like, dude, why is this game? Lost World. Yeah, Lost World. Lost that was World. the one. I was like, dude, that yeah. one was so tough, too. It was like, it's that kind of weird thing where you, you felt like you're going to come play a Sonic game. You'd be like, well, I'm just going to have a good old time. I mean, not saying that Sonic's like easy, but, you know, you felt like, you know, I'm not going to be here like Ninja Gaiden hard. And then all of a sudden it's like, dude, what's up with some of these bosses? This is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. But I think the first and foremost, the main thing that kind of got the Wii U just like to a bad start is it didn't have any, you know, major games right off the bat. Because here's the thing what Nintendo gave. You had Nintendo Land, which was kind of like its um, new Wii Sports, but I think just it just didn't catch the same way as like everything else. And then the only other thing you had is you had the Mario Brothers, um, the new Super Mario Brothers Wii U one, which 
you know, that, that, that's a fun game. Don't get me wrong. There's, it's a nice game, but it's kind of like, I think everybody's kind of like, well, we've seen that a couple times already. You know, we had yeah, it on the, definitely. we had it on the, you know, when it was on the DS, it was like revolutionary. When you had it on like the Wii, it was like, oh, that's pretty sweet too. But I think people started to get kind of burnt out by that point. It's like, there's nothing wrong with those games, but they just kind of kept using that format over and over and over again. And I think like a side scrolling, like two or like 3D or 2D or 2.5D, Mario game is not your best choice for like the day one, you know, console, like why you need to get the system, you know, if they would have right. came out, maybe with like, let's say the other Mario game that came out with it, the Super Mario World uh, or whatever the heck it's called, New Super Mario World. Three, yeah. That, that one was so good that that was the one that came out day one. I think that could have made a bigger difference. Yeah. And especially that one will always have a special place in my heart because, uh, I've loved Toad uh, since one of my first moments of dissatisfaction with the Nintendo 64 was for Mario Party 3. They introduced that that die, that uh, talking die uh, tumble in and they replaced Toad as the um, like game master. And I, I almost never play Mario Party 3 because of that. I've <laughs> always loved I've always loved Toad. Oh, Toad's, Toad's my game master. Hello. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Super Mario 64 when he's you know he's everywhere and he's he's constantly offering advice but he's he's never never going to be the one to uh do it himself and then you've got uh New Super Mario World 3D where you have Captain Toad who all of a sudden is in on the adventure and Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker is one of uh, my favorite games to play on the Wii U, if for maybe any other reason, well, you have the cutscenes, which are absolutely adorable, but every time you play a level, he goes, time for adventure. And it's, if if you just think of video games, like you can wow with like the uh, amazing graphics and the amazing story and like Red Dead or God of War and all of that. But there's always a part of me that will play these games and want to think back to when I was a kid and when I saw, you know, Yoshi's Story and Mario and I thought it was adorable and fun and it just puts a smile on your face. And for me, the Wii U was really good at that. And the glad I uh, mentioned Yoshi's Story because Yoshi's Woolly World uh, built upon the um, great... I think Kirby's Epic Yarn is really one of the uh, most underrated of the Wii games. And for them to include Yoshi's Woolly World, which doesn't have as much of a linear story as uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn, which actually is really an impressive story. But um, hard not to play that game, especially with how they just incorporate all the yarn and stuff. And in those beautiful graphics on the Wii U, it's just it's it's always a wonderful experience. Uh, it's that thing where it comes back to that old-fashioned saying where like the game is the game is the game you know and it's like at the end of the day like we all know that like you know great graphics lots of times like though though that can be a benefit you know and having a sweet engine and everything like that that can always be really cool but sometimes it's just like how much fun you can have with a game or like you know is really at the end of the day the main thing and i felt like that's how a lot of those nintendo games were they're great and it almost felt like with the wii u now that i'm kind of thinking about it, it's like the first big game, and I don't even know if this is even like you can call it a big game, but for Nintendo, I guess it's a big deal, was the Wind Waker HD uh, like oh, re-release. Yeah. And you know, I mean, like I guess for like the average Joe, they'd be like, "Well, it's just a, a remaster, like big whoop." You know what I mean? That's like that, that's not a brand new game. So at the same time, but I remember that was like the first kind of big thing they had sort of coming out that was going to be a little bit more of a make or break 
selling point for certain people that were on the fence. And I think it was kind of a nice for that game too, especially that was a nice second coming for it because you know, when wind waker originally came out on GameCube, that was one of the biggest like turn faces that a lot of like Nintendo fans sort of had the second that they cool. Cause at first they showed that battle scene at like E3 and like, you know what? 2000 or whatever. It was like link was battling Ganondorf and it looks so awesome. It looked like Ocarina of time, both GameCube graphics and everything like that. You're like, this is gonna be the coolest thing ever. And then, like, they pulled that rug out, like, six months later. Be like, well, guess what? Here's Toon Link. And I think everybody was just like, dude, what? What? Yeah. What is this? What is this? You cheapening out on us? What is the cel-shaded graphics? And it was that kind of thing that I remember I, feel, I felt like a lot of people felt betrayed. And I think it's also, too, that was the era where, like, the Xbox elitist sort of came out. And if you had to go to school and defend yourself as like a Nintendo gamer, like Nintendo was not helping your cause sometimes. You know what I mean? They were uh-huh. they were just giving fuel for Xbox gamers to like just totally like light up right then and there. And I remember just like, dude, what the heck? It's like, oh, you know what? I'm pre-ordering Wind Waker, but I'm only pre-ordering it because I want my free copy or whatever, my five dollar copy of the Ocarina of Time Master Quest. Yeah, they um, well, you Especially Wind Waker was a, a follow-up to, like, I don't know really what's darker, Majora's Mask or Twilight Princess. Probably Majora's Mask, but that was really, like, the first one where it's like, okay, Ocarina ha- has plenty of dark moments for sure, but then you take Majora's Mask and it's like, okay, let's let's take Zelda and inject a heavy dosage of, like, Twin Peaks into it. And yeah, if there's a meteorite coming down, prepare for death. Yeah, so, so you take that and... um. I personally liked uh, the the tunish qualities of it, but uh, you're definitely right. It was it was a it was a weird polarizing move, and it was a well received game. But I always um, to des- describe the Wii U's biggest problem in a nutshell. I think is the fact that it, like it's its biggest open world like adventure game, its best open world adventure game is a remake of a 13-year-old game uh, in in The Wind Waker. It's beautiful. It's the most fun I have in the open world setting until Breath of the Wild came out. Um, and that's that's something that I just wish they didn't... You know, they, had, they have all these great first-party characters. You don't get a new Metroid. You don't get a new... Well, they haven't made a Donkey Kong 64 follow-up at all and with that with rare out of the equation who know i don't really see why they haven't uh returned to that but all of their first party titles were essentially limited to to side scrollers and that can be a lot of fun these games can be great but you're looking at kind of the the hall of fame and then the hall of very good and i think a lot of those were falling into the latter category which doesn't really help a system that needs to compete against uh the playstation 4 and the xbox one yeah, and I think that's the thing is because I remember like in the first year, the Wind Waker was really I mean, there might have been something right at the very end of that. But the Wind Waker was the big title kind of coming out. And uh, granted, as I said, like that was the one where like I remember kind of going back and playing it. And it is that thing where it's like, you know, that game is a pure masterpiece, no matter how it might have looked when it came out in like 2002 or whatever. You know, just not how it looks graphically wise, but how it looked is like Nintendo, like kind of giving you this fan service and then pulling the you know the carpet out. But it is one of those ones where it's so amazing and just to see it in like even more crystal clear looking views. And then they implemented a lot of those like sweet features that they had in like the 
the 3ds like remasters of ocarina of time and well i guess majora's yeah. mask wasn't out yet but like because there was like that's like one of those things that you kind of forget is like because that gamepad had that second screen which i was already sold in the second screen once i heard that i'm like that's amazing because i've loved the ds and 3ds forever and you know just the idea of just simply even just having like a map on that bottom screen makes a humongous difference but if you also add like inventory down there and you add other little features it's like that's just such like time-saving effort that i don't have to always hit select hit select hit select or go to the, the option menu you know what i mean like i think of like ocarina time i mean how many times you go you know and then like the ocarina time on ds or 3ds you just instantly go there switch your items around just on the fly you can do that same thing in the wind waker one that right there is such an amazing feature that i always feel like never gets enough credit you know what i mean i just i just don't think people like get the two screen thing and they almost never have got it yeah um i i think probably it's best well i'm sure some of the other launch titles uh incorporated it but uh the one that really comes to mind uh that fits into what you're saying was a uh, zombie U, which ha- had uh the ability to look down at the um your inventory on the gamepad and yet the game wouldn't pause while you were doing that so you could do that but you had to it really captured the kind of zombie-esque uh, feel to it because you could look down there but you could die while you're uh trying to decide what uh what weapon to equip in that game right there that's such like a game that never got, I felt like that game just never caught on. They re-released it on PS4 and I think it's even on Switch now and everything like that. But that game, like especially, and I don't know what it's like on the other systems because I felt like, I'm like, that, that's an interesting game to try to port to other stuff because that game felt so Wii U. That game almost felt more Wii U than like Nintendo's games sometimes because it utilized like every little feature of that Wii U controller to like its full extent. The motion controls, it had the gamepad in there, you know, you had your touch screen. There's so many cool things with that game. And I, like, yeah. I used to, that used to be a fun game when somebody would come over who never really played Wii U, be like, dude, check this game out. Just play this for a little bit. Like, don't you know tell me that this is pretty awesome features like it almost was, it was a good way to try to sell that kind of like motion controls and second screen and touch screen stuff like here I, I bet you i could sell you on it with this game well it's i'm glad you mentioned the multiplayer because one of the things and i think one of the reasons that i mean people uh people our age will always love uh i think the n64 retains its status as one of the just true iconic local multiplayer systems but the Wii U is the only one of that generation to really invest in local multiplayer. And what was, what was, I guess, beautiful, um, I'll talk about backwards compatibility, uh, compatibility in a bit, but with a lot of the side scrollers and all of, uh, plenty of its games, you could just pick up a, a, a Wii remote that you maybe had lying around from when you had a Wii and, there aren't that many games for like a PlayStation and Xbox where you can get three or four people sit them around and actually have everybody have a good time on local multiplayer. It's kind of a forgotten uh, aspect of today's day and age. And especially just considering, you know, every day there's a new Internet think piece on, oh, you know, America, everybody's so isolated, all of that. Um, I still love having people over just to play games. It's still a lot of fun. I, I agree too. I that's like the that's one of the biggest downfalls to me in like sort of modern gaming. And I feel that's almost I consider that sort of the breaking point between like in a sense traditional retro gaming and modern gaming is the fact that um it's almost like you can separate it by do you play a game in the same room or do you play the game on the internet? 
because that really separates the retro gamer from the modern gamer just instantaneously. And I guess to me, it's just like the Internet's one of those ones. Like, I feel like it's a nice, like, bonus feature. And I know to some people that's like all they game, you know, and in the 90s, I remember when like discovering Internet video gaming and stuff like this. It was like on computers and you're playing like Command and Conquer and stuff. And we, I do the thing where, you know, I'd call my buddy up at school and I'd be like, okay, I'm logging on. Are you logging on right now? Okay, well, I'm going to have to hang up the phone. Okay, hang up. And then you log on. You hopefully hope that he's having no problem with his dial up. And you log on and you can play these battles together and so on and team up. And that was that was really cool for the time period and so on. But as time, you know, as it kind of goes on, though, it's like there's I don't know, like you can't capture that same feeling of just sitting down next to, you, you know, a friend and going through a game or playing four player split screen like that to me is amazing. And the sad thing is, is almost nobody. I mean, PlayStation's never really been good about it. Let's just say that, like even since like PlayStation one era, like they've always been sort of the solo gamer system. But like even Xbox sort of kind of gave up on it. I mean, at least Gears 2 still had co-op or Gears 5 had co-op in it. But uh, like Halo 5, when they got rid of the multiplayer in that game, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? And to me, like, this is the way I used to describe it. Or I still describe it like this, too. It's like that's like Nintendo coming out of a new Smash Brothers and saying single player only multiplayer is only online. And that sounds kind of stupid, doesn't it? But here's the thing. When you think about like having four people over at your house, like what are like the top three games that are most likely going to be chosen that you know that you're going to entertain people with i bet you it's always going to be at least smash brothers and halo those have always been like some of the go-to games for if you got a bunch of people over what are you going to pull on out and play and the idea to get rid of that crazy yeah i i I agree and one thing that the wii u so i mean i I imagine some of their counter argument would be like oh split screens terrible all that and I split screens, maybe not ideal, but with the Wii U, they offered, especially um, this is something the Lego games did very well, was that you would have um, the option of you could have both of them play on the screen or one person could play on the iPad. And that's kind of an innovative, uh, innovative touch that uh, that's also something that um well, Hyrule Warriors and Pokémon Tournament. I don't think they gave you the option of both people on the screen. I think one person had to play on the gamepad. But yeah, there, there was there was that part. I remember that was the only thing. Like when they punish you, it's like, oh, you bought the system in the game. Well, guess what? You take the little five inch screen. No, no, yeah, yeah, your friend who came over and didn't spend a single dime. Yeah, he gets the sixty inch TV. That's okay. Yeah, I. Well, so the one. I like the the dual feature of it. The one issue is for people like me who um, I have glasses to see distance. I actually don't know if that makes me nearsighted or farsighted. I've never bothered to figure that out. But well, I um, have glasses to see distance too. I think that's nearsighted. I think it's like it's whatever you can do is what kind of vision you have. So I think it's nearsighted. Yeah. Whatever we probably say, it's going to be the exact opposite of it. But I want to say if you can't see far away, you're nearsighted. Okay, yeah, so every, everybody listening can uh, follow along. We cannot see things that are far away. Um, <laughs> no, it, it has nothing to do with video games. I know that's always like the go-to answer, but I, I oh, think yeah, I would yeah. like that sense of no matter what. Yeah, definitely. But um, especially with um, Star Fox Zero, that's always the one where it's just like, I have to position my glasses in a way that they're like, look like a librarian they're like hanging off my nose basically so that i can look down and uh not not have uh, and be able to see the gamepad with with my eyes not through my glasses and then be able to like 
look at the screen because I, I, I'm not supposed to use my glasses for anything reading. And I'm just like the way that I have to sit there and hold the fucking thing. And it's just like, OK, <laughs> this is a lot of work to play again. And not, that that's also putting aside the motion controllers, which are um, I, I, I would love that game so much more if I didn't have to uh, just jiggle that gamepad around. I mean, there, there there's a couple instances where the gamepad um Maybe some of the games tried to uh, force it, force its um, usage into it uh, a little bit. Uh, the it was a little bit of a clunky integration. Yeah, there is that. Like, well, because that that Star Fox game, I do think, in my personal opinion, that I think that is the take home game of the whole Wii U was the Star Fox Zero game, and I know it just. People kind of jumped on it real quick and just like it took forever to be made. And then the second it came out, people just kicked it to the curb. And that was kind of it, you know, but like I love the living daylights out of that game. And once you sort of got used to controls, they weren't too bad. I didn't I didn't really because I've never really been a person who's like I've always been very pro kind of motion controls. Like for the most part, like I mean, granted, there's I think there's sometimes those third party games that don't do them right. But like many of the games it's like i've always really dug the motion controls like i always think of like resident evil 4 like when they add motion controls on that wii version it was like there was no going back it was like that made that game so fluid i felt like i was way more interactive with it and so cool like i was so bummed that when they put that switch version out it was not it did not have the motion controls though you have a motion controller it was like such a lost opportunity i would have paid 30 bucks again i would have bought that game for like a fourth time just because of those motion controls and an hd version why not but um, it's like the Star Fox game, though. It's like, I mean, I think that like if they I hope that they do actually put that game out for Switch and maybe even just kind of modify it to be in just a straightforward, regular Star Fox type game, because I think that game was so good. And I think if they just gave it the second chance, that game really needs to shine because the downfall was is just when it got kicked to the curb. The sad part is that's when a business goes like, well, guess what? Guess what? We're not doing again. Star Fox. You know what I mean? Yeah, we yeah. tried it. Obviously, you guys didn't like it. So you know what? We're not doing that again. It's going to go in the F-Zero pile. <laughs> yeah, they... Um, well, I don't know why they keep screwing F-Zero either, but um, Star Fox 64 is one of the more iconic of the N64 games. Um, Star Fox... I got a copy of the Super Nintendo version a couple weeks ago, and with its uh, polygon graphics, that's about as good. Uh, the, those graphics took the Super Nintendo about as far as you could take them. And then I've always kind of had a um, one of my best friends got me the Star Fox Adventure, which was developed by Rare when uh, the GameCube version. It's, and it's fun it's and all. Last, it's the last Rare game, too, for Nintendo. Really? Wow. I didn't know that. Um, fun fun factoid. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's, that's interesting also. Um, I know there are a lot of people who are like, what the hell's this? Um, it's a fun game, but then I, I don't think there's a Star Fox release for Wii. I'm always positive there's not. And the Star Fox Zero has beautiful graphics. It takes the series back to that vibe of, um, I, of Star Fox 64, which is one of those games that you can just play through again and again and again, and it's not that long. Um, it, 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 it's got so much replay value. And Star Fox Zero also, I, I feel like the, I feel like Nintendo systems have always kind of had a void, uh, left with, there hasn't been a Rogue Squadron since the GameCube, which is, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunate because, I mean, Rogue Squadron was one of the, uh, first 
N64 games I got. I've always loved it. I love the second one. I like the third one a lot, although I think being able to um, leave the ship was probably uh, more fun in theory than in practice. But uh, I, I wish they would. Uh, I wish they'd bring that back. That was uh, always a really fun one. And uh, Star Fox Zero was really fun. I, I miss the days of just copious amounts of great Star Wars games. But um, yeah, seriously, but, uh, we we should do a podcast just on the the Nintendo Star Wars games. They just had so many of them. And, I, um, I, I literally did a podcast for um, it was like on my buddy. Uh, he has a one called Via VHS, and we he did a Phantom Menace 20th anniversary, which is always kind of weird when you think about that. But it's, it's at that point. Oh, yeah. And that came out a couple months ago or whatever it was when I think in May when it, that happened. And I just remember it's like, dude, it's like that time period, though, like. They made so many Star Wars games, and pretty much like ninety five percent of them were totally awesome. You know what I mean? Like the worst Star Wars game in that like sector was still probably a good game. You know what I mean? It might have been an amazing oh, yeah. game, but it would have been a, a solid middle of the road game. You well, know? I, have, and uh, it- oh, I was just gonna say I have a I have a soft spot for the um, Episode One Phantom Menace game that came out for PlayStation. It gets so much shit, but I I think the the Tatooine levels where you can just kind of run around and it's more detective based than anything else. Um, I I've returned to that game time and time again. And if that's so the worst one of them all, then uh, pretty good shape. I agree. Well, and the thing about that Phantom that's one of the examples of a game that has a lot of glitches in it, but those glitches only make the game better. Like you have so much fun in that game because there's just so many funny moments because the glitches never seem to really affect the gameplay. They just sort of kind of happen. And it's just like, you know, a guy will die and you'll continuously keep talking or something like that. Or, you know, you'll be able just to kind of just running around the town and everything like that. There's so much fun. And they just they release so many of them. I know it's kind of off point because there was not even a single Star Wars game for Wii U. But um, the Lego one. But that doesn't oh, really yeah, count. yeah, I guess that's true. There's the Lego ones. I always feel those are almost more like Lego first, Star Wars second. Not saying anything against them. Those are always fun games. But um, they, you know what I mean? They kind of come across as like, oh, yeah, it's, it's like a Lego game that happens to have a Star Wars theme. Yep, definitely. Uh, there, yeah. I mean, I have a big stack of uh, GameStop was selling like uh, they were they were doing like uh, four for 20 bucks or maybe even five for 20 bucks. And they had a stack of the Lego ones for Wii U. And I just bought them all because they were so cheap. And I'm like, you know, honestly, you play this for like two hours, you've gotten your money's worth. And Lego city undercover for Wii U was, uh, really incredible. It's one of the better, uh, I'd honestly say that that and Simpsons hit and run are the two best, uh, I guess maybe saints row, but, uh, two of the best grand theft auto clones in existence. Yeah, and I remember because the, the Lego City um, Undercover one or whatever, that was one of the really big games that they were toting. You, you don't think about it now, but like I remember they were, they were pushing that game kind of hard when it was coming out. And I think there was a certain audience that just went and gravitated for it. I don't think it took off like they kind of wanted to. I mean, I think, think about the Lego games. I think they always just do good. You know what I mean? They just kind of like... It's like a constant roll. Like none of them like jump up in the air and just like, oh my gosh, it's like, you know, it's not like a Red Dead Redemption too, where you're like driving down. You're like, is that like whole building painted like Red Dead? Like what's going on? Yeah, but, um, I, uh... but yeah, it's like those Lego ones like that. I remember that was a big deal game kind of like when it was being pushed. And I think that almost might've been one of the first, maybe a launch release or like around like year one. So it was kind of like the game you would have got right off the bat or at least close to it. For the for the void of, I mean, one of the things that always endears me that Nintendo sixty four is just the the open. Uh, they get so much uh, crap for being collectathons, but 
I want to play a game where I can relax and just kind of explore some nice, uh, fine crafted scenery. And, uh, that system was always really good at that. Um, you know, the Wii U may not have had as great a graphics as the, uh, PlayStation four, but very colorful, very bright, just from like a, a perspective of sitting there. And it took, um, I mean, this is probably most apparent in the the remakes that it made for uh, Twilight Princess HD or Wind Waker. It takes, I mean, as you said in the beginning, the Wii wasn't really graphic-wise that much of a step up from the GameCube. The the Wii U really did take these graphics um, and and truly, uh, you know, enhance them in a way that felt way more HD. And that's probably also uh, apparent in... I mean, the Breath of the Wild looks uh, a little better on the Switch, but um, it plays remarkably well on the Wii U. Well, I remember, too, like, I just remember, like, when getting, I think it was, like, Mario Kart or something like that. I'm like, you know what? I mean, the Wii or the Wii U might not be up to par with, like, um, a PS4 and Xbox One, but this is how I felt. I've never seen Mario look this good before. This, to me, is, like, all brand new territory. And... I think that's kind of how it is. It's like, and the thing is, I think by now it's like a lot of these games are like you think of these big Switch games, but like to me, it's like it's like these right here were just selling point games for like the Wii U. It's like that Mario Kart Eight. I still always say that's the best Mario Kart I think Nintendo's ever made, and I love every single one of the Mario Karts. But that game is so dialed in, even if it doesn't even have a, a true battle mode in the original Wii U version. You know, the rest of that game is so awesome, and every single level's great, every single course, and all the stuff that they add into it. You know, it's so cool. And then it's like, you know, you take another game like Hyrule Warriors, which at the time period, like, I mean, I guess nowadays it doesn't seem like a big deal. But like when that came out, it's like, what? They're going to do a Zelda game. It's not it's kind of like a offshoot Zelda, but it's like done in a Dynasty Warriors style. And that game, too, that was another one. You pop that game in. I think that's like the best looking designs for anything Zelda. Like every character in there, I love, they're awesome. Zelda looks awesome. Link looks awesome. You know what I mean? All the villains in there that they created, the kind of the world combining and all that stuff and how you can have characters from like Zelda Game Boy and, you know, Zelda, you know, regular Nintendo and, you know, all this cool stuff just jammed together, you know, in one game that you could kind of play through all these stories like that to me, I guess also I didn't really play a Dynasty Warriors in a long time. So I guess when you have, you skip those generations too, you see all the improvements like boom, right then and there, like that game. I think that's another one of those like games that's like was such a top game to have on the Wii U that was just pure amazing. Like for any Zelda fan, how could you not love this game? Yeah, and one of the things that I really loved as I was playing it was just um it's one of those games that encourages you to dive back into the the broader lore of the the fandom and they there's so many levels that were based off of uh uh scenes from the individual games and I hadn't played uh Skyward Sword all that much and I'd see the levels I'm like hey, you know that's 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 beautiful and um I got it, Another point that I wanted to make, one of the other reasons that I got a Wii U in the first place was uh, I hadn't I didn't bring my Wii to California because my sister had a lot of games and I didn't want to just say, OK, you're shit out of luck. With, Boy, you know, taking, just loading them all up. Yeah. <laughs> no fun. No fun. All mine. Yeah. So uh, and with the Wii U price, though, it's something I I don't have an Xbox One, but uh, I don't have my Xbox 360 here. And for, for just the backwards compatibility, uh, I've been thinking about, especially uh, given how cheap it is now. But the Wii U had, I mean, 
Backwards compatibility nowadays is so just, uh, I feel like the past couple of generation, it's been really taken for granted. The PlayStation 3, when it first came out, had the full backwards compatibility. And then they're like, nope, too expensive. We're taking out whatever the parts that were in there to the run uh, the PlayStation 2. 2. And Xbox 360 couldn't truly do um, all of, it, it did a fair amount, but it wasn't uh, perfect. And the Wii backwards, I mean, the Wii U backwards compatibility, just the way that it, it did kind of, I mean, it did kind of, maybe in that sense, more than any other, it, it kind of earned the the Wii U uh, moniker because it, it runs Wii pretty perfectly. It's got a, I, I guess emula- it, it runs it kind of like an emulator, but um, you can, uh, you know, the the the. Wii remotes work perfectly on whether you're playing the Wii U interface or all that. And and just the ability to go through, you know, getting back to what I said earlier about how there's all these Wii uh, players who just pretty much played Wii Sports. I feel like there's a lot of games on the Wii that I hadn't really uh, gotten to play or I hadn't really heard of. Like, uh, to mention Sega again, uh, Mad World. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, yep. I could play all of those on a Wii U, and uh, I, I, I think that that is honestly one of its best selling points. Just the fact that it's got full, completely full backwards compatibility, and it's the only one of its uh, generation that could truly be backwards compatible with basically the entire library. Exactly, and that—that's what made that really neat too. Those are always those small things that, like, I think some people don't think about, but like, by having backwards compatibility, it really like ups the ante of like how many kind of games you can have. I remember at first when the Switch came out, I thought it was kind of like, I'm like, dude, what is Nintendo doing? Like, they should have made it backwards compatible with the Wii U. I felt like you could have really kept those Wii U games alive really well. I mean, granted, they did it a different way. They're like, well, we could, you know, if we could do it this way too, and make even more money, but. um just being able to, you know, pop a disc in and be able to play it. And here's the other thing you don't think about either, because, you know, on you can get the component cables for your Wii, but they don't have an HDMI for it. I mean, you get a converter nowadays, but back in the, you know, before, you, there wasn't really like an official way to do it. So by playing them on your Wii U, then you can also utilize the HDMI. I don't think it really up resolutions it too much on there, but I mean, it probably looks just that slight bit better. It's like adding like an S video cable, maybe, to like your Super Nintendo. But just having that feature is just kind of nice in itself, too, and just being able to save room and so on. I think also if you transferred, like, your Wii account over, I remember I I didn't do it, but if you did, you could transfer all your downloaded Wii games onto your Wii U, too, or as well, too, I want to say. Yeah, it was something like that. It was, uh, I I looked into it. It's, I, I... I think they put a lot of uh, anti like piracy on that that made it. Um, I think you got like one one shot to try and. Do- I actually think it transferred all the stuff off the Wii because there's a, a Homestar Runner game of all of all that I had downloaded on my Wii that I wanted to bring over and it looked kind of complicated. Strong Bad's cool game for attractive people. That was what it was called. And <laughs> um, well, you know, also I I, I think the Wii U. Um, Another factor, I'm surprised it's taken us uh, this long to mention it, and this is something that the Switch really, um, it, it's its oddly missing. There's clearly a reason behind it with, with the Nintendo Online that they're trying to do, but the Virtual Console allowed, especially younger gamers who maybe only know of things like Super Mario 64, the original Paper Mario, just from reputation, all of a sudden, all those games are at your fingertip for a couple of bucks, and 
Uh, the, the memory space is practically nothing. You download those and you can play them on the gamepad. I, 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 I bought this huge stack of games when I first got my Wii U, but for the life of me, I haven't figured out. I lost my copy of Paper Mario. I'm not sure where it went. It's somewhere at my uh, parents' house. And I downloaded a new copy for five bucks and I just played through that in like a couple days. And oof, that one still holds up really well. Well, and the cool thing, too, is like on the Wii U, it's like they had like a, like the biggest like lineup, I almost want to say, of like their kind of old games. I mean, you get regular Nintendo games, you get Super Nintendo, N64, Game Boy Advance. They had DS ones, which always was kind of confusing how it looked. I, I always wanted to buy a DS game on there just to try it out. But I'm like, why does this look like it's way more confusing than it should be? Like, shouldn't one screen be up on the TV and one screen be on the D-pad and I should be able to flip flop them? But whatever. And then, like, you know, they had Sega games, they had Neo Geo games, they had um, arcade games. I mean, there was a lot of neat stuff, you know, that you can kind of get, which I think Nintendo's doing the thing right now of the Switch. They want to savor the kind of like the their kind of classic library and then just make it seem like a real big deal when they do finally put it out. I think that's what's going to happen. They're going to wait like another year or so and then all of a sudden just drop it. Be like, oh, yeah, by the way, Super Nintendo games on here. Boom and make it feel because that Nintendo's good about t- taking something old and making it seem like a must have game once again you know i mean how many times has nintendo done making mario brothers 3 a must have game to have for your system they've done it over and over and over again and here's the thing they can do it once more because I, I don't know is mario brothers 3 on the switch yet for the nintendo maybe it is already it might be they added a bunch yeah i um i have it for just pretty much just to play Splatoon, which I think we're actually um, this coming week is or the next week's the final Splatfest, which. Um, oh, yeah, it's uh, I mean, if for any other um, really perhaps Splatoon is probably the the really breakthrough uh, new release for the Wii U that that will kind of live on in uh one of their big contributions to Nintendo lore was uh, the release of Splatoon. That game often frustrated me because the, despite having the, the ethernet uh, adapter for, because I don't think the Wii U has its own ethernet adapter. No, I think um, you had like all the Nintendo systems. You pretty much always had to buy that. Yeah. But um, I, I would play the Splatoon and um, practically every game you'd start and two of the people's internet would have crapped out. You almost never see that for Splatoon 2, which is nice, but um, it it was maybe uh, a little bit ahead of its time, and yet, you know, they've had, they have first-person shooters. I mean, Goldeneye, which is really, like, one of the most iconic uh, early first-person shooters, from uh, at least from a multiplayer perspective. Um, and then Nintendo, you know, kind of seeded that online multiplayer territory, even though they had, like, uh, Call of Duty or other ones but splatoon comes out and it's like the perfect like obviously nintendo is not going to be known for some bloody gory first person shooter but then you got splatoon it's like okay this is really part capture the flag well capture like maybe not capture the the ground yeah make a mess with the flag um and (laughs) you know killing people is you can do it uh but it's not it's not primary and look and it's like okay that's maybe the most nintendo-esque of all of these releases and it's it's so beautiful perhaps maybe the one um annoying uh, I, it's it's regrettable that the wii u didn't have a true animal crossing release which i would have loved mm-hmm. they have the uh, uh amiibo parade which um 
is only fun if you have uh countless numbers of those cards i mean amiibo is is really um amiibo has held up as a as a thing they still sell them people seem to enjoy them i have a stack of ones that i bought from the clearance section at target but uh, i'm not (laughs) super super inclined to buy more of them but they're fun i mean we're we're in the sort of pop funko era and that's kind of uh amiibo is is sort of nintendo's way of uh capitalizing on that kind of phenomenon yeah, well, that's, that's another thing, too, is that, you know, that was introduced, too. There's all these, like, things that I think people almost associate with the Switch that was just initially, in, in, you know, with the Wii U. Because even, like, Splatoon, like, that's a game, too, that, like, I remember I just bought that day one. Like, I didn't know, because I'm not really, once again, I said before, I'm not really into, like, online video games. But I'm like, you know what, Splatoon's so different and weird. Like, I, w- I want to give this a go. And, like, that was really fun playing it on there. You know what I mean? And I felt like it was a very refreshing take. Like, you know, for anybody who's been just, like, sitting around playing way too much Call of Duty you know, and even like too much Halo and all that kind of stuff. And you want like kind of like a new take on pretty much, um, you know, a kill fest of a game. Splatoon was it. And like, it's so much fun. So awesome. My only kind of thing about Splatoon is I felt this is the only thing that Nintendo should have done. And I'm even kind of surprised they still didn't do a Splatoon 2. It should have had four player split screen in there. I don't know why it didn't. It had two player, yeah. but like two player. I'm like, what is this? PlayStation one, two player split screen. Like, <laughs> You know, yeah, if it had, if, if that game had four players split screen in it, I bet you I would have got a lot more hours into Splatoon because that game could have been one of those new. You put it in like the, you know the roster that you have whenever you got friends coming on over. That game I think could have been right in there, you know, along with like a Halo, along with a Smash Brothers, along with GoldenEye and Mario Party. Like I think that really could have like been there and been this like whole sweet killer game to have to have split screen multiplayer but beyond that though it was still a super fun game to play online when it did work yeah because it did kind of have those moments here and there but that was the other thing too is like the what made the wii u kind of fun is you could go online and play a lot of these games and you didn't you didn't have to join a membership or anything because you know it's like oh okay i remember i bought i bought call of duty black ops it was one time at walmart for five bucks brand new for the wii u one i'm like five bucks i'll buy any nintendo game for five dollars pretty much i remember just being my buddy we put it on Played split screen, played it online. Good times. Couldn't complain whatsoever. You know, as of the recording of this podcast, the servers for Pokin Tournament are still active every once in a while. I'm actually, I think I'm like 10 and 0 on online play on Pokin. I don't know who, the fact that there's probably like three people who still play Pokin Tournament. I log on and play that, and for whatever reason, those people are just the worst at it, and I always beat them, and I'm not I'm not that great at it. But um, it amazes me that uh, they still have that, especially because um, I, I, I think Nintendo really, uh, it was a slap in the face to uh, not only Wii U fans, but Wii fans that they... I mean, one thing that, that Splatoon, one of my favorite things to look at is the, the drawings that people did, and for them to shut down... Me, the Miiverse in the first year of the Switch's life cycle, I thought was kind of ridiculous, especially when you consider it was only this past March, March of 2019, that PlayStation Plus stopped including PlayStation 3 games in its like free offerings, the monthly free offerings. Mm-hmm. So for them to just kill the, the Miiverse, there are people who honestly, and you've got to imagine there's just like people who are are super into that art and it, it it's helped inspire um artists who can uh draw that stuff and uh reach a global audience just say nope nope we're done 
I mean, there's probably people who, who spend more time drawing the little uh, thing uh, images for Splatoon than actually probably play it. It's um, it's a lot of fun. It's adorable. I always take the time to look at uh, the fun ones. And that's actually something that's also enhanced Splatfest. You see the people with Team Chaos, Team Order, all of that kind of stuff. Um, it breeds camaraderie, especially for a... Uh, online service that um if you want to use some sort of really complex way if you want to uh talk to people with a microphone which i mean i've personally never been that interested in but um that's you know obviously something that a lot of online gamers uh like to do yeah it's it's weird to have these kind of features and then just kind of eh, let's back out of that when you do kind of have like i mean for once again there's there's a lot of nintendo purists out there who don't buy another system other than nintendo you know they they stick to their guns and i feel like you sort of need to keep those things there you know to kind of keep that going now granted you know as a business you, you know you can only keep so many things alive you know as time goes on but um I don't know. It's just one of those ones. When it comes down to like Wii U, though, I just felt like there there's so many likes. It's, it was another kind of like hidden gem system that I just, you know, I think by just not getting started right off the bat with some really good games, just like it, it just needed those must have games. And I think they came later on. But, you know, after a system's been out for a couple of years, sometimes people go, eh, you know, the Nintendo fans bought it, of course. But like beyond that, when you're trying to get, you know, in a sense, a PlayStation or an Xbox gamer to go out and buy a Wii U, they just they just never got there. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, Splatoon was awesome. You know, you had Hyrule Warriors. You know, of course, you had the Mario World one. You had the Zelda remasters and all that kind of good stuff. And then it also had other games too. Like I think of this one too. It's like it had Resident Evil Revelations. Now, granted, that was on like the um, the 3DS, but right. being able to play it on a console. And I know it came out for PS3 and everything like that too. But here's the thing: PS3 didn't have double screen. Having that double screen, being able to have the map below there, small things like that make such a big difference, I feel like, kind of in a game experience. You know, when you can have that feature that nobody else is really going to have, and it's not like it's a feature that's not really necessary. It's kind of like Resident Evil 4. I really can't play Resident Evil 4 for another system other than the Wii because after you play it with, like, the motion controls, it's like, why go back? You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's like playing a game with, like, a real funky D-pad, and then all of a sudden you get this real nice, smooth one. You're like, well why would I want to switch back to that real funky D-pad? You know I mean? I got this great one right here. Boom. Having all those extra features, I think it's really cool. And then this is another one I want to say too, is, you know, a lot of people like kind of always harped on like the Wii U gamepad because it was so big and bulky, but I think that's one of the most comfortable controllers ever made. Like oh, yeah, I love sure. the design. I feel like it feels good in my hands. It's lightweight. And I, I kind of like big controllers. I've always been a fan. I like the N64 controller. I like the Duke for the original Xbox. You know, I like the Dreamcast controllers. Mostly the bigger controllers, I seem to gravitate towards more. Whenever it's kind of smaller controllers, I feel like, and I don't even have that big of hands, but it's just like, I don't know, it's just like, I like that space, you know what I mean? It's kind of like when they made, like, the Wii controllers, and I remember, like, there was something to be said about that freedom of, like, how they were split apart. I mean, you had the cord, but I mean, it's like, you know, you could sit back with, like, you know, the Wiimote and, like, the nunchuck, you know, like, you could cross your hands behind your back, you could, like, rest to the side split you know what you mean like you can put them anywhere you want you weren't just locked to like that one solid position in the dead center you know yeah. and i think there's something kind of nice about it and like the wii u one was kind of nice because my hands i felt like it was more in a neutral position instead of being like you know small and tiny and all that stuff well it's funny um i've always thought i i like the gamepad a lot i think it's a comfortable controller um in some ways i actually kind of like it more than just the the switch out of its dock but uh, mm-hmm. I, I like the the Joy-Cons are great, and their their Pro Controller is uh, very comfortable, but 
I really liked the uh, Wii U Pro Controller too, and it's just funny. Uh, I always laughed when the um, Super Smash for Wii U came out and they released that adapter that uh, allowed people to play the GameCube again because I, I don't think there's any other game that's ever come out where people are just so set in their ways about... I mean, the, the, GameCube's, the GameCube's been gone for a long, long time now. And yet, even to this day, Super Smash comes out, nope, GameCube, they have to release new Switch GameCube controllers just to accommodate the fans who are like, we will not change. We must have this controller for this game. You don't see that with people playing uh, FIFA or Madden. They don't need to have two generations ago's controller. They don't need the... well. In fairness, the PlayStation controller is basically the same as it always was. <laughs> yeah, that, that would only change on the PS4 for like the first time, but and not by a whole lot. Well, it's that weird thing, too, is because like, I remember they had that GameCube thing. And I was like, oh, dude, this is so amazing because I have one of those adapters and whatnot. And it was like because I was thinking like, it was, oh, if it's going to work on Smash Bros, it's going to work on Mario Kart. It's going to work on all kinds of other stuff. And then I remember like Nintendo kind of screwed the pooch on that one where it's like, oh, I can't use this on other games. But lo yeah, and behold, weird. it came full circle that I could take my same Wii U adapter, plug it into my Switch, it works on that, and it works on every game on the Switch, which I think is really Wait, awesome. really? Yep. So you can use your game controller that. on everything. Now, here's the only downfall that I noticed recently. I actually had to go out and buy another GameCube controller because there's so many games that, like, you need those extra buttons that the GameCube controller is missing. I mean, it's perfect for, like, you know, Smash Brothers and, you know, Mario Kart and things like that. But, like, I was like, dude, you know what? It was like when Final Fantasy IX, because I think that was, like, kind of right around, well, maybe it worked before that, but whatever. I was like, dude, Final Fantasy IX playing with a GameCube controller? This is, like, how it should have been meant to be played almost. So I had to give. I'm like, oh, no, I need, the, I need Select. I don't have on a GameCube controller, and I need L1. But there's these, you know, these kind of like officially off-brand controllers. Official by Nintendo, but they're kind of off-brand. And they're like modern game controllers. And they add like L1 to it or Z1 or whatever the heck they call it on there. They put the select button on there. You got the clickable joysticks. And it has um, the home button and the snapshot button for the Wii or for the Switch. So having that, that's been like my main controller for Switch. Because I can play everything like it's a GameCube game. And it's so awesome. Yeah, I never knew that. Which, I mean... I agree that they 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 definitely screwed the pooch on uh, that with the Wii U because I mean it's not I'm not I'm not some big tech expert but it's not super hard I have an adapter for my Neo Geo CD where I can play the use it with a PlayStation Three controller so you <laughs> yeah know, some some third party developer can do that you think the geniuses at Nintendo can uh, figure that one out but uh, yeah because I mean the GameCube controller really is ah. Uh, so I personally would say the NCC4 is the most iconic controller they've ever put out, but that's just uh, I you know the the Z controller in the back there it's always that'll always be something that I love. But the Wii U, I mean, there is a beauty in you uh, start up half those games and it's like you can use the Wii Remote, you can use the Wii uh, Wii Classic controller, you can use the GamePad, you can use the Pro controller. It's like all these options. And yet apparently you can't use the GameCube, so that's kind of funny. Yeah, that, that's the part I think it makes it kind of weird, is that like they're allowing every other controller known to mankind, but for some reason, that GameCube one, it's just like, it's just, I don't know, I felt like that was something that like should have been utilized, but I mean, lo and behold, it comes around to Wii, or to Switch, and then I even just think about other games, you know, like they put the Resident Evil games out there, like, I know I've already bought Resident Evil 0 and 1, I bought it on GameCube, 
I bought it on PlayStation. I'll buy it on something else. I almost kind of want to buy them again just because I know I could play the Resident Evil HD version with a GameCube controller, which is always going to be my preferred choice, you know, over like, um, you know, a PlayStation one. My only fear, though, is sometimes it's like compatibility with like, because it's, you know, they look at the GameCube like it's a, a pro controller, like when you plug it in. So sometimes like if a game doesn't have it where you can switch the buttons around, it kind of gets wonky. That's the only downfall. Yeah, that would make sense with the um, LRLZ or LLZ. I forget. One of, yeah, one it's confusing. Uh, you know, I always that's one where I feel like PlayStation always had it right. L1, L2. You know what I mean? Like simple. We all know what that means. You know what I mean? No questioning it. You know, because even Xbox, it's like right bumper. Like that sounds stupid. Don't call it a bumper. I, I mean, I know. Is, I guess that gives it like a. I guess that gives it like an old fashioned like um like pinball kind of feeling. But it like I don't know. It's on a controller. It sounds silly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's definitely true. It's um, yeah. Because there's a lot of games that would have uh, uh, that would have been great. One of the um. I guess one of my my sort of frustrations with the Wii U was they put out so, some certain games where it looked like they just kind of like strung it together and put it out as quickly as possible. Like um, Mario Tennis Ultra Smash is a beautiful game that has no story mode. And you look at that being like somebody they, they expected people to pay $60 for this. And I love the sports game. The Wii actually had a lot of really great Mario Super Sluggers, which I guess was... I think a lot of people's opinions of that would uh, depend on whether they had played the um, GameCube version, but that had a good story mode. Mario Strikers is still one that I play a lot. Um, it's it's really competitive. If you've got if you play against somebody who knows what they're doing, I mean, those games can be uh, really brutal and hard. But um, they didn't release a lot of sports games, which has always been a uh, really big advantage for. Nintendo, since they started, uh, I guess the N64 with Mario Golf, Mario Tennis, um, really kind of helped, uh, bring, spring that. Although I, I'm sure other, other earlier system had sports too. But yeah, no, it is. Well, I think also on the Wii, what made the sports games kind of good is sports games were almost like perfect for motion controls. Because yeah. I think that that's like one of those ones, like, I remember even like, cause I had a buddy, I think they had like, I don't think it was Madden. It might've been like, um, like Sega's 2K one, but maybe it was Madden or something. But I remember even just some, the motion controls on that was like, dude, this is the way to play the game. You know what I mean? It's like, you like pull back, you know, you get ready to throw the football, toss it across. I'm like, like, I don't know what it is. Like, I love motion controls. I don't care what anybody says. Like, as long as the game's done right, they're like amazing. And I really think that that's like definitely the future. It's just, I think people aren't really willing to embrace it, but like, you know, like the Wii sports was always a good example of like, here's your test run. This lets you sort of like practice, like to see like what this can be. Now, all you gotta do is expand on that, which is what I think what a lot of the Mario games sort of did. And then, yeah, it's like the Wii U had that, those abilities, but then it's almost like they didn't necessarily use that. I don't know. It's like, yeah. Cause the Mario strikers, I think is the only one. There's not a Mario golfer there. I got one Mario no. Party. I guess we're gonna put that in somewhat similar category. You know, I have never Mario Party for me will always be. I I keep looking at the uh, Switch one, but once they had the one where everybody has to travel around together around the map, I, I think that was the Wii U one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw I that too, and I was like, "What." Oh, that's weird. Yeah. I, think that's, I think that's the main reason I didn't buy that game is because I just went, that's kind of odd. Because I was buying mostly every big Wii U game when it was, they were coming out. 
you know, and then they saw that. I was like, no, I, I kid you not, though. That one for Switch, though, is that's a good comeback Mario Party game. Like that one is super fun. I think I mean, I think the only downfall is it doesn't have a whole lot of boards on there, but whatever. I've still had a lot of fun with it. It's got a bunch of modes on there. It's got some really goofy kind of party modes where you got to do a bunch of motion controls, but like you'll have a great time. I think they're really creative mini games in there. Um, I think that one is a definite definite awesome game i recommend it highly i like that's kind of one of those ones that like you know somebody comes on over it's just like sure let's play some mario party and that one everybody's been pretty impressive at so yeah i mario parties do always have a special place in my heart i played that college all the time grad school actually i played that a lot too and it uh with all the levels and uh i always i loved how they would uh for the first time they would switch costumes each level which um i don't know how many players are playing that thinking like oh my god they need to change costumes but you look at that and it's adorable do they switch costumes in the switch one no i don't think they got any of those kind of costumes they got a bunch of characters you can choose from that you got to kind of unlock so that's kind of neat but no there's i think the two was the only one that had costumes i don't think any of the other ones do because that was the one with like, you go, go, we'll go to Western World or we'll go to like, you know, Pirate Land or whatever the heck there was. Yeah, that uh, that one was always uh, Space Land. Horror Land was brutal. You had to. Um, I uh, there was one time in grad school where I, I got three stars on Horror Land in one roll because of Toad's placement. Then um, the way that there's a part of the map where if it's dark, uh, there's two boos that you can hit it in sequential. So I use one to take a star and I use one to get more coins, which I use to then get more stars. And that's, uh, that might be the, that might be the pinnacle of my gaming, uh, gaming career was that, uh, that turn. <laughs> and once you do that, it's like, I don't know if I could go to another, um, Mario party, but I, yeah, I guess between Mario party on the Wii U and, and the tennis one, I was just, I looked at that. I'm like, okay, why don't you, it would have been nice if they, um, I mean, even honestly, between like like Mario Galaxy, Super Mario Galaxy, and Super Mario Galaxy Two, really took su- what Super Mario Sunshine did and moved the ball forward. And then Odyssey did it also. And Super Mario World 3D for Wii U um, was was incredibly innovative in all of that way. But it wasn't in sort of an open world game in the same similar vein. Uh, and it's a great game and all of that. But uh, it's it's a different. It doesn't. It, it doesn't necessarily move the ball forward, but it moves it kind of diagonally. And I guess that's probably why it was uh, a bit polarizing. But one that I'm, I, I think maybe gets a fair, uh, unfair rap is um, Super Mario uh, or Paper Mario Color Sp- Splash, which was, I think, one of the last games to come out for Wii U or one of the last like big ones. It was in uh, October of 2016. And I didn't really like the Paper Mario for Wii because it, wasn't really rpg based this one they have these uh card system which was a puzzling decision it kind of was a bit polarizing but uh i actually liked the combat i think it worked out pretty well it had a fun story and uh the writing in that game is is among the the best of any nintendo series in my opinion that's uh really a lot of fun to play and i uh i wish that it had more games like that which um were a bit more uh, sort of long-form stories, not necessarily uh, pure side-scrollers, but um, I don't know. Innovate. N- Nintendo innovates like no other. They're, they're a really creative company. And Wii U, they had all of this technology to do it, and they made a lot of games, but... I mean, it goes, it goes down to that... Um, 
you know, Nintendo 64, GameCube, we all have games. Really, I'll have a couple really strong contenders for greatest game of all time. And depending on how you want to count Breath of the Wild, I don't think with the Wii U really, um, really, it got, it has a lot of games that are 7 out of 10s, 8 out of 10s, even 9 out of 10s, but maybe not a bunch that were just truly 10 out of 10s. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it definitely, it, it, it's more of a Nintendo fans system. Like, I feel like it is a hard sell. If you don't care for Nintendo that much, you're not probably going to, you're not saying you won't find some games in there that you'll enjoy, but you probably won't as much. You know, I mean, there's, this is one other game I just kind of wanted to say, because this was like one of those things that sort of came out of nowhere. And I was really impressed with this. And that was, did you ever play Tokyo Mirage Sessions? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Where it combined like Jin Megami with like um, Fire Emblem in there and everything like that. Yeah, that that really um, for me. And I hadn't I, I hadn't played anything like that, and I hadn't played uh, uh, Xeno Xenoblade Chronicles X was the my first entry into Xenoblade, and I with both of those games, those were two that I really thought were um, really in- innovative releases that really um. Maybe not uh, sort of uh, major tentpole sellers for the Wii U, but but really help reinforce the the argument that this library is just so ridiculously deep. Yeah, exactly. Well, especially for like the Tokyo Mirage one, like that was the first time like for years I've been looking for on a console, not a handheld because they exist on handheld, but they don't exist on console is a true like Final Fantasy kind of like quality traditional rpg with turn-based combat and that's that's like next to nothing like almost nobody was making them for like the longest time and then when that one came out it was like dude here we go it's got turn-based combat in it it's got a cool story in there and so on like that like it was really fun to play it's got a regular level up system and i think that right there like really surprised me because i'm not it's like I, I own that. I have the Xenoblade Chronicles X for Wii U, and I've owned it for like four years, and I've never played it. I feel bad. But it's like, well, once I bought it, like it was like one day, it was like it was like sixteen bucks at games. So I'm like sixteen bucks. I'm buying this. You know how these games are going to be. Give it like six years, it'll be like ninety dollars or something like that. I might not be there yet, but but you know. So I bought it, and it's like I had all hopes and intentions of playing it. Like now, granted, when it comes to RPGs, I'm not always. If they're not turn based, I I I don't know what it is. I always can never really get into them nearly as much, unless maybe it's like a completely different genre. It just happens to have like RPG elements. Like I'll use Castlevania Sympathy of the Night. You know what I mean? Like it has RPG elements. I would never really call it an RPG. It's more just a regular Castlevania platformer kind of Metroidvania game. But it's got like just enough RPG elements sprinkled on top that's kind of neat. But like like I don't know what it is. I love turn-based combat such a weird thing like trying to explain that to somebody too like why do you like the characters just stand there i don't know it makes the game more fun makes it more like exciting but more exciting they're they're not doing anything but stand there and you're pressing x a bunch of times over like well that's all i need in life sometimes so like yeah that's true i know i I definitely see what you mean yeah it's just one of those ones and that's why that's why i was so happy when dragon quest like 11 came out it was like that was like everything I could have wanted, like in the last like 10, 15 years, almost. I would say that was like the best game since like Final Fantasy nine came out. As far as like an RPG goes, like they had it so dialed in. I mean, they go around. There's some cool ones on PS2 and so on. But it was just like, oh, man, I'm like, and they, all I thought when I play that game is like, dude, this is what Final Fantasy 15, though still fun. If it was like Dragon Quest 11, it would have been pure amazing, you know, and just seeing Tokyo Mirage. Like that was that thing where it's like, oh, dude this is the game I've been searching for. And, you know, I try games out that like get close, but it's like, eh, no, not, not good enough. Like they had, like, I think it was on a, Wii. they had that one it was made by the original final fantasy one through nine creator. It was called like lost 
Sphere? La, no, not Lost Sphere. That's a, that's a different one. Um, heck was it? Last Story. And then, yeah, it looked so cool. It looked like Final Fantasy VIII. I felt like I was totally going to get into it. I remember playing like a couple hours into it. And it's like, I just couldn't get into the runaround combat. So I always kind of wonder. I feel like, will Xenoblade be the game that like I can play that has that runaround RPG combat that I can actually get behind? Maybe. I don't know. I haven't tried it out yet. I, I have it sitting there waiting for me. It's uh, it's definitely the combat's definitely unique and uh, it's maybe not for everybody, but um, I certainly enjoyed it. And uh, I also picked it up for uh, fairly cheap. Uh, like that was another clearance target for a while when they were getting rid of their Wii U library. I uh, was uh, building it up a lot. And I think when it comes to just like evaluating the, the legacy of a console, it um and this is something that we we talked about ad nauseum with uh, especially the the Sega Saturn is um there's just this temptation to compare them to their uh you know their contemporaries or uh their predecessors successors and i mean at the end of the day that's just that that kind of thinking has has its limits because if you want to call the Wii U a failure. I think when the Wii U, uh, when the Wii U stopped uh, production, it it didn't sell drastically fewer copies than the Xbox One had at the time. I think it was only like behind it by a couple million units, which is is kind of peanuts um, in the grand scheme of things. And and we're we're in an era where yeah, the Wii sold a hundred million units, uh, something that uh, I think in terms of uh, consoles. I think only the PlayStation 1 and the PlayStation 2 had. And I, I got to say, there's probably it, it's hard to determine. Obviously, the PlayStation 2 is iconic and had a really long lifespan. But uh, there, there is also the extent that it was in an era where people were buying it as a DVD player also. And they're just not going to do that anymore. And the, the same doesn't really hold true for uh, Blu-ray or 4K. There's just not the same similar sort of demand. And we... The ability to play Wii Sports was obviously a big seller. We now have we have iOS, PC gaming. Well, that's always been around, but uh, the market's so splintered, and success is gauged differently, and success is um, such a hard thing to quantify. And to look at this system, it's like you want to call this a failure. You could um, you could have the Wii U as the only system in your in your place for a solid year, and you uh, really couldn't get bored. If you were just going through all of the things in its library, it has such a really um, remarkable library that um, maybe does require you to to, to dig a bit deeper. But um, that's true of a lot of art. You have to, uh, I mean, think of just how many animes you have to like uh, really sort of look for it. And it's an acquired taste and it takes a bit of time. But uh, I mean, there's plenty of cocktails out there that. You know, you take a first little sip of it and you spit it out and then, you know, a couple later you, uh, you know, an acquired taste doesn't necessarily mean it's it's a lesser taste. And I, I think of the Wii U as something that a lot of people just were so desperate to write off. And I don't think that's fair. Yeah, I think so, too. And I, like, I don't know. My barometer for a system is it just has to have 10 really good games. That's it. That's it. If I if I get 10 really good games, I feel like. Boom. I, I'm already doing good. You know what I mean? Like, I can't complain, you know? And 
that's it. And the Wii U, it has definitely way more than 10 really good games. And then once you start adding in the digital library and all that stuff, you got, you know, copious amounts. But just let's just say just Wii U, especially even just Wii U exclusives and things like that, or kind of Wii U games that are like at least they're the, the Wii U version is like unique in itself. It's got me covered all the way. You know, I'll even say this. It's got me more covered than an Xbox One does. Xbox One is kind of like one of those systems. Now, granted, if you include all its, like, 360 library and all this other stuff, it's got a bunch of good stuff and, you know, games that are on PlayStation and Switch as well. But exclusive-wise, Xbox doesn't even compare. Xbox One is not even close to what Wii U has. You know what I mean? Like, they'll never even get close. But, you know, Xbox Four will come out, and they still won't be able to have as many kind of exclusive games as wii u does you know i guess i'm gonna, I'm gonna disinclude sort of the exclusivity for the fact that switch i know has sort of taken those ones but let's just say you know whatever yeah. system a, a game appears on i feel like it's locked in forever as that's its main system everything else past that point is either a port or an update or a remaster or something but no matter what you know at the end of the day hyrule warriors is always first and foremost a wii u game mario kart 8 first and foremost a wii u game you know i see that's just what it is. Tomb Raider, first and foremost, a Sega Saturn game. I know nobody else <laughs> thinks of it like that, but, you know, I think that's how they're sort of locked in. You know, and I look at the Wii U, it's like, dude, it's by that standard, it's got quite a bit of good games. It's got, you know, I'd say easily 25 games that you could hold you over for a while. And then you add in the rest of the stuff. And yeah, you, you could literally live off the Wii U for like five years. If you were dropped off on a desert island in a Wii U and you had a power source, you know what I mean? Like, why not? I mean, it might be a point where you're like, you, uh, you wouldn't be able to use Miiverse to have anybody rescue you because they shut it down. No, you, well, you, yeah, you'd be you're you're on this island. You're like you're hopefully you're hopefully your power doesn't go out with like you can you know, yeah little like you know solar panel that they dropped off. You're like hey wait, when do I have to replace these? <laughs> How long does yeah. this last? But um yeah, I think the Wii U is one of those systems that is kind of cool. I mean, I know it's in kind of it's in a similar category as I mean, I guess it's bigger than this but it's like kind of like in that sega cd category it's sort of in like those kind of offshoot systems you know what i mean that like you know it's not the biggest system out there but if you look hard enough there's a lot of cool stuff in there and there is some good times and in a sense you i feel like you don't have the switch without the wii u i think that was like the learning definitely not curve to get there you know i mean you don't hit that high mark of being the switch of what it is without the wii u first being in the place yeah it was definitely um the thing that got them to the thing. There's a show that I really like, Colton Catch Fire, that constantly used that that phrase. The the thing that got you to the thing and the gamepad and uh all sorts of uh all sorts of stuff that were really important. And I the fact that I, I the ten game barometer that you said is uh important because there are the people like you and I who can talk for hours on all these game systems. But your average consumer is not going to just have stacks and stacks and stacks of games. So legacy is just something that that needs to be taken in context. And with that said, with something as as big as this library, I mean, I'm a defender of the Sega CD2. I mean, and that, of course, is in context. It's not like we're saying, oh, the Wii U is the Sega Genesis. Uh, we're not trying to make that case, but... um. It's got a great library, and I, I really... The the people who just want to write it off and say, oh, it's stupid. Gamepad can't be stupid, because we have uh, no gamepad, no Switch. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. That's really, really what it boils down to. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think at the end of the day, people are just getting kind of... They, they just like to... There's always somebody they like to beat down, no matter what. I think there's, there's just those people out there in life. They're just looking for somebody who's like... 
like, oh, that guy's on the side of the road. Well, let's go kick him to the curb, you know? And that's kind of like how the Wii U sort of was treated. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's why, like, I, I love all the, I love all the little systems. Like, just like how we talked about, like, the 3-2-X and so on. Like, you know what? I mean, you can't sell that to anybody, but for, like, a retro gamer who just really enjoys certain things, or even, like, God, even at the time when 3-2-X came out, I just remember just, like, I thought a lot of that stuff was really neat. And it's just like the Wii U. Like, I was never complaining ever the whole time I had the system. I thought it was just an amazing ride. They just great game after great game kept coming out. You know, like, I feel like there was not like a single game I was ever disappointed in that I bought for like the Wii U. You know, it's just like Nintendo always delivered every single time. You know, where like sometimes you get a game for like Xbox or PlayStation, you're like, well, that one was okay. I probably won't finish it. You know, the Nintendo one. I mean, the worst case for me is like, I just haven't started certain games like Xenoblade. <laughs> it was like, but I, I kind of look at those are always those games that look threatening. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know what's going to happen when you sit down and play this. Everything else goes out the window. I know what I'm going to do after after recording this. This has been... uh it's been really a, a great discussion. I imagine, you know, Spencer and I have talked about this. We've had variations of this conversation over Twitter DM for probably over a year. And it's important. Well, I mean, some people may debate whether it's important or not to defend the Wii U, but it should be because Nintendo Nintendo has such a has such a complex uh, history. Um, I don't think we'll be doing a defense of the virtual boy, but. Uh, most of its history is pretty uh it's got so much great stuff and um you know there's a similar discussion i imagine we'll have down the road on the gamecube which is another somewhat misunderstood one but uh as it pertains to the wii u i really uh i think that this is um a system that if people don't uh don't understand it or they don't realize it uh they're really cheap to pick up libraries still pretty cheap uh it's a good investment it's a lot of fun and uh i mean there's there is i i said it earlier but there's no greater testament to that than the amount of these games that have been ported to the uh switch yeah and i'm assuming there'll still be more ported to the switch but they'll also be the ones that might be landlocked in the Wii U, you know? I mean, maybe Star Fox might be landlocked there. Of course, Tokyo Mirage will be, Xenoblades Chronicles X. Um, there'll, there'll be a handful. I mean, even things like, you know, if, you know, playing the first Platoon or playing, you know, the original Mario Maker. I mean, granted, you have, like, the newer versions, but there, there'll be certain ones out there that still have, gives, a, you know, a viable reason to definitely play a Wii U. But, um, yeah, nothing but good times with the Wii U. I think it's time to even play some Wii U. Why not? Well, um, it's been great having you back, Spencer. I've uh, I wanted to do this one for a while, and then there was that uh, that show with the dragons and the all the incest that was uh, taking up all the all the airtime for this podcast. But now, with that out of the <laughs> way, we've gotten to go back and uh, do the things that really matter: video games. So uh, it's been uh, really great having you back, and uh, I'm sure we will have you uh, back in the future for more of these. Uh, great conversation spencer do you want to tell us where we can find you one more time uh the easiest thing is just go to oldmanorange.com to find podcasts and comic books animations all kinds of fun stuff that create over the years and that's that's the simple and easy way well uh, awesome i'll link to uh all of that in the description and to everybody uh everybody listening thank you so much and we'll see you next time (laughs) 